This morning, I have a message for you that I want to share with you from 2 Timothy. But before I get to that, let me, well, let me just start this way. You know, when, when you're a little kid and you go fishing, they give you either just a plain old fishing pole or they give you one of those little rod and rod and reels. It's called a spin caster. And it's real simple. You know, sometimes when you're a kid, it's got like a Spider-Man on the side of it. But the great, things, the great thing about one of those is that it, it doesn't get tangled up easy, and it's easy to cast, and, you know, it's just real simple. But then when you get a little bigger and, you, get, you know, if you really like to fish, well, you get a big boy rod and reel. And, and a, you know, a, the one that most people end up really liking if they fish very much is a bait caster. The problem with a bait caster is, is if you don't cast it just right, then the line will get all tangled up. It just makes a big, huge mess. I mean, if you, if you use it right and you're good at it, then you can cast further and with more accuracy. But a lot of the time, you know, the line ends up getting all twisted up, all tangled up. And then while other people are catching fish, you're just standing there trying to undo that line. I'm going to tell you, that is no fun. I speak with a voice of experience. But here's a little example of it. Anybody, anybody ever had that happen? Well, you know, I, I've never had it happen just like that. I can see part of what this guy's problem was. I mean, he's got blue and pink line on the same reel. It's like a gender reveal gone bad. You know what I'm saying? No wonder he's mixed up, but it happens. And, you know, sometimes in our lives, things just get all tangled up. And here's the thing, you can't use that rod and reel again until you get it untangled. And sometimes our lives are just limited in what we can do and what we can accomplish for God when our lives are tangled up. And my wife, uh, you know, it's kind of like she's just showing the devil, you know, who's boss in her life, that Jesus is boss in her life. Because, you know, just, uh, was it five years ago? Not even five, four years ago, four and a half years ago, she was completely bald. Bald as could be, chemotherapy. Now she got long hair, and I like it. I tell her every day, wow, your hair is beautiful. But you know what? She has to untangle it all the time. Before she can do anything with it, first thing she got to do is get it untangled. You know, there's a lot of things in life like that. You got to untangle it. Maybe around here at the church, if you know, if you need an extension cord, well, first of all, you got to find one, but then you're going to have to untangle it. I mean, you find that 100-foot extension cord, you're only going to get about eight feet out of it until you untangle it. And here's the thing, you know, when we put them up, they're not tangled. Nobody's tangling them on purpose, but somehow or another, I don't know if the devil sneaks in at night, and I don't think so, but something happens. I don't know what happens, but you go to get it out, and there it is tangled. You got to untangle it. And so it is with our lives a lot of the time. Until we untangle it, we're limited in what we can accomplish and what we can do for the Lord. It keeps us from really fulfilling the plan and the purpose of God in our life. We're going to go to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3 and 4. He says, You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. 
Here he is, the Apostle Paul is talking about us being soldiers of Jesus Christ. And he's giving us this example for us to understand what it's supposed to be like for a child of God who really serves the Lord. The the historian Grotius writes in his book, The Rules of War Among the Romans, that Roman soldiers were not allowed to marry or to engage in husbandry or trade. They were forbidden to act as tutors to any person or curators to a man's estate or proctors in the cause of other men. The general principle was that they were excluded from those relations, agencies, and engagements which it was thought would divert their minds from that which was to be the sole object of pursuit. See, their minds could not be diverted from their call. They couldn't have anything in their life that would hinder their readiness to serve at a moment's notice. Now, we know that family doesn't make a soldier weak, but even today, a soldier that is in combat, he has to, well, first of all, he's got to be ready to leave everything behind. And when he's in combat, he can't have his mind distracted by other things. But he has to be focused. The Apostle Paul is certainly not telling us that we shouldn't marry or we shouldn't be involved with people because I will tell you, we're supposed to be reaching people. But he's telling us simply that we need to always be ready to serve our king at every opportunity. It's amazing how jumbled up, how busy, how unfocused our lives can become. You know, there's this old saying. I say old because I don't think a lot of young people are familiar with this, but... I've got too many irons in the fire. It just means that we got so many things going on that we can't really accomplish everything we've got. And we're, you know, we're struggling to keep up. And that's just a picture of the way that most people live in our country today. They just got too many irons in the fire, just so busy they can't keep up. And I think a lot of the time we're just too busy. Maybe I'm just talking about me this morning, but we're too busy to be the Good Samaritan. The Good Samaritan, you know, one of the things that impresses me about the Good Samaritan is not only that he was willing to help, but he had time to help. He went and he helped this wounded man and he took him to a place where he could get better. And I want to tell you a lot of the time, it seems like, well, I'm just too busy to help with that need or to help that person to take care of that. Anybody else with me? I want to tell you, if we're too busy to answer the call of God at a moment's notice to step up in an opportunity to help and to serve, we're just plain too busy. Oh, we need to realize, some of us, we've gotten ourselves entangled with the affairs of this world too much. When someone's in need, when somebody's under attack, we need to be ready and willing to serve. Sometimes we find ourselves tangled up in sins, difficulties, financial troubles, relationship problems. The list just goes on and on. Some are bad things, some are good things that just we manage to get tangled up in and they keep us from reaching our full potential in the purpose of God. I think most of the body of Christ in this generation is limited because they're so tangled up with the things of this life. We find ourselves pulled in a hundred different directions. So much so that it seems like that a lot of people can hardly even make it to church once a week. Amazing. 
I want to tell you that's too entangled. No, a good soldier of Jesus Christ does not entangle himself with the affairs of this world. You see, we got to be free. we got to be ready to serve the Lord, to do all that He wants us to do. When, we're not, when we are not in our place, listen, there are needs that are not met. There are prayers that are not prayed. There are battles that are not won. See, we need, we need to take responsibility. That's this attitude in our world, you know, to pass the buck. We in the body of Christ should know better. We can't pass the buck. We, we can't just say, oh, it doesn't matter. We have to take responsibility. Don't let the devil discount you. Don't let the devil act like you're of no value. It doesn't matter if you show up. It doesn't matter if you do what you're supposed to do. That's a lie from the pit of hell. We all in the body of Christ are important in what Jesus is doing in the earth today. We need to show up. We need to show up and be ready to do whatever God wants us to do. When we're not in place, I'm telling you, there are needs that won't be taken care of. You know, what really matters in this life, when it's over, the only thing that will matter is whether or not we fulfilled the purpose of God. Acts 13.36 in the NIV, it says, For when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep. David was a great warrior. He was a great worshiper. He was a great king. He served God's purpose, the Bible says, and then he fell asleep. I want to tell you what a tragedy is, is when you fall asleep, and you hadn't fulfilled the purpose of God in your life yet. But it won't happen by accident. No, we have to not entangle ourselves with the affairs of this world so that we are ready to serve our Lord as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. We are soldiers of Jesus Christ. We are soldiers of Jesus Christ. I think there's a lot of the church world in America that just kind of thinks, oh no, I'm just kind of along for the ride, brother. I'm not one of those. Listen, when we call him Lord, we became one of those. When he rules and reigns in our life, there are no part-time Christians. Jesus has always been all or nothing. And I want to tell you, he's called us all to serve But we are soldiers of Jesus Christ. I got my ticket to heaven. I'm just on this train to glory as a passenger. Praise the Lord. No, you are in the army of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we are in a spiritual battle. And the battle is very real. There are eternal lives at stake. And when we make Jesus our Lord, we answer that call to be a soldier of Jesus Christ. We are here to advance His kingdom and to do spiritual warfare against the powers of darkness. See, as a soldier of Jesus Christ, if we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing... If, if we're not fulfilling the purpose of God in our life, 
then we suffer for it. But our brothers and sisters also suffer. And there are lost people that will not be reached. Yes, it is that way. You matter. What you do matters. The Bible says that we are all members one of another. Members of the same body. And so if you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing, I want to tell you other people suffer. But there are also lost people that won't be reached. It matters. Such a lie from the devil to tell you that it doesn't matter whether or not you obey God, whether or not you fulfill God's call and His purpose in your life. Call. Oh, that's just for preachers. No. Every single one of us, God has a call. There's a purpose for us. Every single one of us in this life. And God wants to use us. And we need to be ready always as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. What ends up happening is that so many people end up AWOL. They're absent without leave. You know, what it really boils down to in this generation is there's so much of a lack of commitment. And sometimes that lack of commitment is what leaves people where they they just get tangled up in the affairs of this world. It's because they're not fully and completely committed. If you're fully and completely committed, then you don't entangle yourself with fruitless activity and foolish things and waste of time. Sometimes people think they're committed. They want to be committed. They want to serve God. They want to be used of God. But they don't realize that it's because of all of this other stuff. They just can't seem to really do it. It's time to untangle. You know, what I found out about commitment is it's not just about saying yes to the Lord. That's the easy part. And most people, you know, they're Christians, they get that part. You say yes to Jesus. But what we need to also understand is that you have to be willing to say no to some things. You see, it's not just that yes, it's that you're going to say no to some other things. I mean, when you say, I do, and you make a commitment to somebody, you're saying no to a bunch of others, amen? Amen. And when, when you, you know, if for an athlete, when they sign up, they accept that scholarship to a certain university. They're saying no to all the others. We need to understand this about our commitment to God and our commitment to serve Him and to answer the call. You've got to be willing to say no to some other things or you will never keep that commitment. Back to our key verse, verses, we'll go to just verse 4 this time. It says, no one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. Now notice here he says, no one engaged in warfare. We're supposed to be engaged. Uh, some of you young ladies, you might be thinking of something different than what I'm talking about right now. But he says, engaged in warfare. There really is a battle. It always amazes me how many believers just seem to be clueless about the spiritual battle that we're in. And some people, they, they know that there is a battle, and yet they act like they're so far removed from it. 
We are right in the midst of a great spiritual battle. Whether we are unaware or not, it's happening. Some people are just asleep on the battlefield. And you know what? The enemy will just let you sleep on for a while because you're not a factor. We need to realize that there's a spiritual battle that's taking place and the kingdom of God is being advanced, but the powers of darkness are working against us. You are a soldier of Jesus Christ, and we need to be ready. We need to be awake and engaged in the battle. All around us, we see the casualties of war. And people say, why does God let such terrible things happen? It is not God, but it is the powers of darkness that are at work. And I want to tell you, Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. First John 3, 8. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil and he is still doing that today. Jesus in a human body was at one place at one time but now his body is all over the world. Jesus' body is all over the world. God is moving and working Jesus said in John 14, 12, that those that believe in him would do the works that he did also. We need to understand that Jesus is still destroying the works of the devil, but he's using you and me to do it. Mighty God has chosen to work through us as the body of Christ. What if there were lives that could be changed and people set free and people healed if we just weren't so preoccupied with everything else. See, we got to take responsibility and untangle ourselves from things that limit us from serving God. We have to engage in the battle. You know, when you talk about being a soldier of Jesus Christ and this battle that we're in, there's always some carnal Christians that want to get all weird about it and get all militant and make it about a fight with other people. It so is not. That is so carnal and so contrary to what the Scripture teaches us. We don't fight with flesh and blood. A few years ago, I just had several incidents when I drive in my car and somebody crazy would try to engage me. And my wife noticed it and my daughter noticed it. And I realized that the enemy was trying to engage me. And I decided right then and there, you know what? I don't engage crazy. And what I'm saying to you is, that's not where our battle is. Our battle is not with flesh and blood. Our battle is with the powers of darkness. We need to understand that. Don't, listen, if you get distracted, you get entangled with all that, you're not in the real battle. Because this is where lives are changed. This is where chains are broken off of people. This is where the light of the gospel comes and truly changes lives. This is really the only thing that works. 
You know, we see a lot of immorality and darkness in our own country, but there are many places around the world where the darkness is so great, there's so much depravity, it's absolutely horrible. And the only thing that will change it is the light of the gospel. Listen, money won't fix it. Education won't fix it. All the efforts of man. The only thing that will change it is the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that doesn't happen if we're sitting on the sidelines or we're focused on things that don't really matter in eternity. Oh, church, we need to be engaged in this battle. And it's not with flesh and blood. I want to read from Ephesians chapter 6, 10 through 13. It's just, it, it's just a powerful passage, but it says, My brethren, be strong in the Lord, the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. I want you to see, first of all, we don't wrestle with flesh and blood. That's not our fight. Our fight is with the powers of darkness. And in this fight, we got to stand. We can't turn and walk away. we got to stand. Stand our ground against the powers of darkness. It is the powers of darkness that blind people's minds to the gospel. It's the powers of darkness that bind people up and destroy lives. And we don't need man-made weapons in this battle. No, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. We have the power, the weapon of prayer, the name of Jesus, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. These are the weapons that we use to engage in this battle. And when we go out in this world, we're representing our Savior And we carry the light of the gospel to those who don't know what we know. We need to realize this battle is real. And when a soldier's called up, they got to go. And all of us in the body of Christ have been called up. And we got to answer that call. There's an adversary who wants to take us out. He doesn't really care if we call ourselves a Christian as long as we don't fulfill the purpose of God in our life, because as long as we're not doing what the Lord wants us to do, we're just not really a factor. we got to stay engaged. And there are so many people who at one time in their life, they were fully engaged, really serving God, really being used of God, but now they've kind of set back, taken a back seat, they just kind of disengaged and, you know, I'm a little confrontational sometimes. I know you would never have guessed that, right? But sometimes I've said to some of these people, especially some that I just felt led to say this to, it's just a simple question. I just say, what are you doing? And some of you here this morning, maybe you need to hear that. What are you doing? I mean, there's a call on your life. Used to? Used to? No. You got to get engaged. You got to stay engaged in the battle. There's no time to just check out. 
There's no time to disengage from the call of God. You disengage from the things of the world, but not the call of God. Even great men and women, those who great gifts and callings have to stay engaged. And what I see so often is that when people disengage, the enemy catches them off guard. The great warrior King David was one of those who won so many battles, but he disengaged and he found himself in a terrible place. Most of you know the story, but it's 2 Samuel 11, and we're going to read 1 through 5. It happened in the spring of the year at the time when the kings go out to battle that David sent Joab and his servants with him in all Israel, and they destroyed the people of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. But David remained at Jerusalem. You see in verse 1, it was that time of year that the kings went out to battle. That's what was supposed to happen. And David, as a great king and a mighty warrior, had gone out to battle many, many times and won many great victories. They sang about David. David has killed his tens of thousands. But now, David stays home. He disengaged from the battle. Maybe like a lot of believers today, he thought... I fought so many battles. I've done my part. It's time for me to take a break. I had a pastor tell me one time, I paid my dues. I think now I'm just going to sit. None of that's in the Bible. It's not in there. It's kind of in the church culture of the day, but it's not in the Bible. We have to stay engaged. Because I want to tell you the truth this morning. Listen, if you're weary, there's a place that you can go and find strength. That's in the Bible. Listen, you get beat up and you're wounded, there's a place that you can go and find healing. That's in the Bible. Listen, if, there, if, if you are empty, you just, you've given all you have, there's a place that you can go and get filled. That's in the Bible. But sitting home and disengaging is not in the Bible. It is a deception of the enemy. Here's what happened to David. Then it happened one evening that David arose from his bed and he walked on the roof of the king's house and from the roof he saw a woman bathing and the woman was very beautiful to behold. So David sent and inquired about the woman and someone said, Is not this Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? Then David sent messengers and took her. She came to him and he lay with her for she was cleansed from her impurity and she returned to her house and the woman conceived. So she sent and told David, I'm with child. David, this man of God who wrote so many of the Psalms that we love. This man who was a great worshiper, God called him the man after my own heart. How did David fall into such a horrible sin? He wasn't where he was supposed to be. He was disengaged and the enemy caught him off guard. He stayed home 
and got entangled in this terrible sin. In fact, it gets worse because then to cover up his sin, he has Bathsheba's husband, Uriah, left on the front lines of the battle by himself so that he would be killed. In effect, he had him murdered. How could this happen? It all started. It would have never happened if David would have been out there with the men. And I'm telling you, you need to be engaged. You need to stay engaged in the battle where God wants you to be, doing what God wants you to do. People start missing church, no longer serving. They're headed for trouble. Second Timothy 2.3 You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. You're going to endure hardship as a soldier of Jesus Christ. That's not what we want to hear, is it? Oh, pastor, tell me how fun it is, how easy it is, and let's all just have a good time. I'm going to tell you the truth because I've seen too many people get so disillusioned when hardships came their way, and they will come. You will endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. We just want an easy life, but we're going to endure hardship. But let me tell you this also, that the Bible also says that the way of the sinner is hard. It's one thing to endure hardship, to keep going, just to endure hardship because God is with you and he gives you strength and he's going to help you get through. It's another thing when you have rejected God's help and you're on your own, the way of the sinner is hard. The wheels will come off. It's going to be horrible. with no remedy unless they turn to the Lord. That's the truth. See, listen, life is hard for everybody. One time or another, life gets hard. And yes, you're going to go through some hard times as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And we need to be ready for that, not be disillusioned, but instead be prepared for that so that we'll press on and just trust the Lord during those times. Soldiers... Soldiers in the natural, they go through all kinds of hardships. I mean, they leave their loved ones behind. They go to remote places, you know, they they don't eat good. They don't sleep in a nice bed. Sometimes they go to really, really hot places. Sometimes they go to really, really cold places. Sometimes they go to really, really dry places. Sometimes they go to places where they can't ever get dry. And that's not even mentioning the horrors of war. Hardship. We as believers, we need to be ready for when we encounter some hardship. You know, so often when people start getting involved in an area of ministry, they say, well, I didn't know it was going to be like that. One of the most fruitful, blessed times I ever had in ministry was preceded with two really hard, ugly years where there were people, not many, but it only takes a handful to cause you a whole lot of trouble. There were a handful of people that wanted to get me fired. They wanted to get rid of me. 
And man, did they stir the pot. And I finally told the administrator of the church where I was working, I said, I never would have taken this job if I'd have known it was going to be so hard. But here's the thing. I kept going. And God turned it around. And I had such wonderful, fruitful time of youth ministry. I just saw it explode in souls and lives being changed every week. And I'm just saying to you, you see, we all go through those times. You endure, you endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. When it gets hard, a soldier can't turn tail and run. Well, we endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. You know, church culture of the day is, is if it's hard, it ain't God. Listen to what the Apostle Paul writes about his struggle. 2 Corinthians 1, 8, and 9 in the NIV says it this way. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about the hardships we suffered in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired even of life. Indeed, in our hearts we felt the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He says, it was beyond our ability to endure. We felt the sentence of death. But you see, they trusted God, and God got them through. I don't know what your hardships might be. It's different for all of us, but I'll tell you this. God can get you through if you won't back up, won't back down, but just keep going. We endure hardships because we serve a faithful God who will always give us the strength to make it through to victory. 2 Timothy 2.4, one more time. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. Fourth, our goal is to please the Lord. He says, to please him who enlisted him. Who enlisted you? Jesus. I always say, people didn't call me. And people can't uncall me. And that goes for all of us. We answer to Jesus. We need to realize that our Savior, He's the one who enlisted us, and we want to live our lives to please Him. I'm going to tell you, in every situation that you face in life, if you would just ask yourself this question, what would please the Lord? You're going to make a decision about your family, your activities, and what... What would please the Lord? I wish people had asked themselves that on Saturday night before church on Sunday. What would please the Lord? Well, that's a time change. We're going to sleep in. I'll tell you what, some preachers, it seems like they're not happy if they don't offend somebody. Y'all are way too quiet. Somebody help me. <laughs> Thank you, brother. Second Corinthians 5, 9, Paul says, we make it our goal to please him. Listen, we want to please the one who enlisted us. This morning, I want to ask you to examine your own heart and life with the help of the Holy Spirit. Are you fully engaged in the cause of Christ? Are there some things that are just keeping you tied up, 
too much of the time. Or there's some things that have entangled you that maybe you just, you need to get free from. Maybe even some good things that are keeping you from the plan and the purpose of God. It's time to untangle yourself so you can be engaged. To close this morning, I want to share something that I found a few years ago. And I've kind of made it my own. I call it stand. I'm a soldier of Jesus Christ. Here I stand. I'm a soldier in the army of God. The Lord Jesus Christ is my commanding officer. The Holy Bible is my code of conduct. Faith, prayer, and the word are my weapons of warfare. I chose to enlist. I will either retire at the rapture or die in this army, but I will not get out or sell out or be talked out. I'm a soldier of Jesus Christ. I'm not a baby. I don't need to be pampered, petted, primed up, pumped up, picked up, or pepped up. I'm a soldier of Jesus Christ. Here I stand. No one has to call me, write me, visit me, entice me, lure me. I'm a soldier of Jesus Christ. Here I stand. I'm in place, saluting my king, obeying his orders, and building his kingdom. I'm a soldier of Jesus Christ. Here I stand. No one has to cuddle me. I don't have to be cared for, catered to. I don't need flowers, gifts, food, cards, candy, handouts. I'm committed. I cannot have my feelings hurt bad enough to turn me around. I cannot be discouraged enough to turn me aside. I cannot lose enough to make me quit. I'm a soldier of Jesus Christ. Here I stand. I will win. My God will supply all my needs. I am more than a conqueror through him who loved me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm a soldier of Jesus Christ. Here I stand. Devils can't defeat me. People can't disillusion me. Battles can't beat me. Money can't buy me. Even death can't destroy, destroy me. For when my commander calls me from this battlefield, he will promote me. And he'll bring me back to rule this world with him. I'm a soldier of Jesus Christ. Here I stand. Will you stand with me? Amen. Come on, stand with me, church. Stand with me. We are His army. We're the body of Christ in this world. And each and every one of us, we need to say, I'm a soldier of Jesus Christ. I serve Him and Him alone. And I want to live my life to please Him. Some of us this morning, we need to untangle from some things. There's some things that we need to get right. Maybe even some good things that you need to put in their proper place so that you have time for God. So that a moment's notice, you're ready to answer the call and minister to somebody, help somebody else with a need. I want our prayer partners to come.